Have you ever wondered and wanted to know what it means to be God's people? I know sometimes you're just, uh, you know, you go through the motions and, yeah, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, but what does it actually mean to be God's people? Have you ever heard that there are no special conditions or prerequisites to entering into a membership uh, with God through Jesus Christ and that there is liberty in God's grace? You've heard all of these things, right? There's, there's liberty in Christ. There's freedom in His grace. There are no prerequisites. Come as you are. There's nothing that you bring to the table that could earn you a spot in heaven. Nothing at all. It is all by God's grace. And yet, at the same time, Christians are called to live like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've heard this because the thing is, is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Having freedom in Christ doesn't mean that we live according to the flesh or the world but according to the Spirit and according to the Word. Freedom in Christ, as Jesus has set us free from the bondage of sin, we are to use that freedom, not for sin, not for anything other than to love one another. We are free from the bondage of sin. And so we are to use that freedom to love one another and reflect the love that has been shown, that has been demonstrated to us. We love because He first loved us. And He demonstrated to us this beautiful and wonderful and unconditional love. And therefore we are to reflect that to one another. In Galatians 5.1, the Apostle Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul was addressing to the Galatians. The theme of this letter is to help the Christian understand that what holds us together as God's people is not a set of rules to abide by, nor the perfect keeping of God's law, for no one can, but rather simply accepting God's grace And then learning how to live in step with the Holy Spirit. That's a a lifetime of learning. A lifetime of lessons. Of dealing with circumstances and applying God's word. And even sometimes as we sung, you know, it's beyond understanding. You know, it's, it's like, I don't quite grasp this yet, Lord. I don't get it fully. And yet I have this perfect peace in you. Why? Because I trust in you. I cling to you. I'm not anxious. I'm not stressed out about this situation. But you will teach me something through it. And your wisdom will be proven through the application of your word in this very circumstance that I find myself in. It's learning how to live in step with the Holy Spirit. So the good news is that we are no longer bound to the keeping of the Old Testament law. Yahoo, that's... Praise God. Right? Because Jesus is the one who has reconciled us to God. We are justified by our faith, not by the law. Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21 says this, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, 
then Christ died for no purpose. And yet there are so many people still today who are fooled into thinking that they can somehow be justified by the keeping of the law. It just doesn't happen that way. And that's good news. We are justified by faith. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. What I read was the reason why there's no longer a burden to keep or carry regarding the do's and don'ts of God's law, but rather living with the certainty that entrance into heaven has been secured by Jesus Christ. When he on the cross said to Telestai, it is finished, it is paid in full. It is by his work, not ours, that secures us entrance into heaven. Again, us having and coming to a place of belief, of trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. It is secured by him, and we are to now walk in that grace by faith. We are free to live by grace, and in that freedom learn how to love others as Christ has loved us. And that's a lifelong of learning. A lifelong. There's no one that has come to a place of, I I perfectly love others as Christ has loved me. there's, There's not one. Not one of us. So we have that grace. And we're free to love in that grace and continue to grow in it. I want to break down and further introduce to you Paul's letter to the Galatians. Let me give you a little background. Of course, the from is right before us. The opening verses of Paul's letter clearly identifies himself. In fact, this is the one letter that uh, there's little to no dispute as to who wrote this letter. It it amazes me how some of these um, letters are disputed as far as the authorship is concerned. But this one has little to no disputing whatsoever. Uh, The opening of this letter clearly identifies who is writing. Um, It's the Apostle Paul and a few others who are traveling with him as the authors of this letter. Even though it is commonly thought that Paul was the main writer, if not the sole writer, only mentioning that there were others with him at the time that this letter was written. It's like saying, I'm writing this letter and, you know, I have others with me and these are, this is who I have. But I'm the author of the letter. And so the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Galatians. Not only that, but we saw the conclusion to the letter, how it is that he was writing with these big letters, right? And then those who are the recipients to whom this letter was addressed to. Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia. That's a region in Asia Minor, which were churches planted by the Apostle Paul during his missionary journeys. Galatia is a region in Central Asia Minor that is um, today we know as modern-day Turkey. And the letter was written around 80, and we can say between the, the years 48 to 57. Um, it's disputed whether it was before the Jerusalem Council or after. Um, we do know that this was a letter written by Paul to the uh, churches of Galatia, and, uh, and that was the period that it was believed to have been written. Acts 16.6 and Acts 18.23 refers to Paul visiting Galatia. This means that Paul more likely wrote this letter uh, during his second or third missionary journey, although some say even his first missionary journey. Uh, But 
more than likely before he wrote this letter to the Romans. So it was before the, uh, the letter to the Romans, uh, which was in, writ- written in the mid-50s. Uh, keep this in mind, the Galatian churches consisted of mostly non-Jewish, in other words, Gentile believers. And what Paul was teaching them is that they did not need to start following Jewish law when they first uh, and at any time when they became Christians. This, these were, what happened was that these Judaizers were coming in and insisting that they now had to follow the law. And so the Apostle Paul is very upset at how these people were coming in behind him and trying to change what they were doing and have them follow the law. Paul taught them that they were free in Christ. The problem, and this is the problem of the church, this is the same exact problem that we have today. It's one word. Ignorance. That's it. We're not giving ourselves to the study of the Word of God. Why? Because we're lazy. The same thing that plagued the church in Galatia is the same thing that plagues the church today. Ignorance. Why? Because we're lazy. We don't open up the Scriptures. We don't read through them. We don't study them. We don't know them. Therefore, the Judaizers, they creep in. The false teachers, they creep in. And they start leading you astray. Oh, it's this that you have to do. It's that that you have to follow. It's this way that you have to dress. It's, it's, it's. And pretty soon you're like, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds good too. What we need is the Apostle Paul to come in and go, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? We need a lot more of that. Uh, we, need, we need to not hold back and just tickle the ear. Tell you what you want to hear. You want to hear a motivational speech, then you can go, hopefully not to a church, but pay your hundreds of dollars and go to a stadium and hear that or some conference center and hear that. A little rah-rah. The, the church should not be that place. It's not the place for that. We should be speaking the truth, teaching the truth, fellowshipping in the truth by the Spirit. We should be able to encourage and direct and stir each other up by the Word and by His Spirit and in love. The problem was their ignorance. Of this freedom and their tendency to believe a person of influence. Oh, that this is a person of influence and that had knowledge of the Scriptures like Peter. Uh, Peter, who had made the error of trying to say that they were to follow the law and keep Jewish observances that came with it. We'll see how Paul opposed him to his faith, face in um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. And he confronted him. The problem with the Christians in Galatia was that they so easily turned from the gospel that, that Paul had taught them and followed another that came that was false and was a distortion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul went to the length of calling them deserters. 
You, you have completely turned your back. You, you see, you can't slightly turn your back on the gospel, just a little bit. It's like, well, you know, I, I, I kind of have it there and I'm kind of... Ch- no, no, no. You're either turned to the gospel or you're turned completely away. There, there's no in-between. So he called them deserters because they started believing this distorted gospel, which was no gospel at all. In Galatians chapter 1, again, verses 6 and 7, it says, I am astounded that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. According to these people, it, wasn't, it just wasn't possible to be God's people without following God's law. That's what they were saying. The Jewish law, and this was false. And most of this letter is in response to this claim. This claim. This issue was addressed by the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. If you're jotting down notes, make sure you write this down. So Acts chapter 15, you can refer to it. In this meeting, it was discussed and settled by the church leaders that non-Jewish Christians were not required to keep Old Testament laws and regulations other than a few. And you'll read about them as you read through Acts chapter 15, and it's covered in verses 22 through 29. Exactly what those things were. And by the way, this is why it was debated whether this letter was written before or after this council. Uh, Some say it preceded it. And then the Council of Jerusalem uh, basically just confirmed it. And others say it happened afterwards. I believe either way, Paul had a clear understanding of God's grace and how we are justified, justified by faith. How it is that uh, this, this following of the law and the observances of seasons and times and days and all of that is unnecessary for the Christian. And they shouldn't be held to it. In any case, it is what it is, as it is, and it, it, is, it is accurate and true and doesn't change any of its truth whatsoever. Before or after, it really doesn't matter. This is the gospel. This is the word of God. It's truth. It is just as much a letter to the churches of Galatia then as it is a letter to all the churches of Christ today. Let's look at the structure Again, I'm giving you basically a breakdown of of this letter. So this is actually more difficult than just going through the chapter and verse. So in chapters 1 and 2, of course, as we read, we have the customary greeting. But then Paul quickly moves on to challenge. As we read, this confrontation. Uh, In verse 6, it says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. So there's this this greeting, but then he quickly, it's like, okay, so we're done with the formalities. We know that you are brothers and sisters in Christ, and now I'm going to go straight to the heart of the issue here. And they're confronted in love, but he's He's angry. He's upset that they had turned so quickly from the gospel. Paul identifies a major problem 
with the Galatians. They have moved away from the gospel that Paul has taught them regarding their calling in the grace of Christ to, quote-unquote, another gospel. Which, of course, we know there is no other gospel. There is no other good news. There's one good news. Jesus is the good news. Our grace in Him is good news. Our justification by faith is good news. And with this, Paul defends his apostleship so as to establish his position of authority and reestablish his intent without any personal gains in mind. It's like, hey, listen. In fact, he said in verse 10, he said, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Listen, if, if really he was seeking the approval of man, he wouldn't have gone this route. He wouldn't have. You would have told them what they want to hear. That's what he would have said. But then he goes, goes on, he says, Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other, in other words, what his implication is, is that the servant of Christ will always stand in the truth, no matter if that truth opposes what someone else is doing in error. Think about that. I'm not trying to please man. I'm really, I'm here to please God and God alone. Therefore, I will speak the truth to you. That's what he says. That's what we ought to say, church. But he defends his apostleship. He tells him, I have nothing to gain from this. It, it, it's not, I'm trying, not trying to tickle your ear. I'm not trying to please you. I'm trying to please God and God alone. And then from there, Paul moves on to explain that anyone who thinks and teaches that non-Jewish people should practice the Jewish law does not really understand the gospel. You don't get it. You just don't. And he goes on to explain this. Chapters 3 through 5. Paul spent the bulk of this letter correcting this misunderstanding by contrasting the true gospel and the false teaching that they have been duped into believing and following. Correction really is what this letter is all about. And Paul is explaining how relying on the law to secure a place among God's people is foolish. Not only is it foolish, but it leads a personal into, a person into slavery. Bondage. Right back into it. You left it, now you're right back into it. Oh, you're all... You're all Tense and worried about keeping this and that. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You, you are to live your life in response to salvation. You're not working. You're working from salvation, not to salvation. Oh, there's freedom in that. that for, for us, here's how it breaks down. Lord, I want to please you with my life. Therefore, I will do what I know to do and not do what I know not to do. But if I do what I know not to do and don't do what I know to do, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And then you, you pop right back up. You keep going. You're not fooled into thinking that you are condemned. Stay down. You've done too much. Don't, don't believe that. Pop back up. Why? Because if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the good news. Get back up. Keep going. Lord, 
thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I, I'm justified by faith, that I walk by grace in the Spirit. And I won't allow the enemy to whisper in my ear and me believe that I ought to stay down. Get back up. And then the final portion, uh, verses uh, 13 of chapter 5 all the way through the end of chapter 6. This is the final part of Paul's letter where he outlines the practical results of the gospel. This is how uh, really it should conclude. This is where all of this should come to. How the believer is to live by the spirit and freedom. And, And again, what that looks like. To bear one another's burdens. To bless one another. Serve one another. This is what it should result in right here. Very brief but powerful right there. And by doing so they will part. He's telling them. He's telling us today. They'll part from a distorted view of the gospel. Get your eyes off of all of that. Get your eyes on the Lord and eyes on each other to bless and, and, and really just come alongside one another. Don't allow deception to come in. And really when deception comes into the church, it affects our relationship with one another. We start becoming very critical of one another. You know? Oh, so-and-so is not doing this. They ought to be doing this. What's wrong with them? You know, it shouldn't be that. And sometimes we go to the other extreme. Oh, yeah, I have freedom in Christ. Therefore, I do what I want to do. <laughs> Who are you to judge? Right? And it's like, uh, no, that's the extreme and wrong view also, Right? There's two. There's there's grace, but there's also that walking in the truth part that we ought to take part in. So he concludes with this. That the divisions will come to an end if you do this. If you walk in God's grace. And again, the theme of this letter is to help the Christian understand that what holds us together as God's people is not a set of rules to abide by, nor the perfecting by keeping God's law, but rather simply accepting God's grace and then learning how to live in step with His Holy Spirit. That's it. The Christian that chooses to rely on the law has, in a very real way, determined the need for Jesus has come to an end. Why? Because that person is saying that I am justified by my works, not by faith. But being right with God has nothing to do with our actions. Has has nothing to do with our actions. Has, again, nothing to do with our actions. Has everything to do with the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Good news. It's really good news. 
Salvation is all about Jesus. His sacrificial death for our sins and new life taking hold in us. We are new creatures in Christ. The law did have a purpose. It served as a guard, keeping God's people until faith was revealed in Jesus Christ. In fact, again, the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Galatians in chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, says, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. But now God's people have the Holy Spirit and we are full, complete, perfect heirs of the promise of salvation. And by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, we are true children of God, having inherited what was promised actually to Abraham going back to Genesis. But he covers it in this letter, chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. Verse 29 says this, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. In this promise and in this grace and in this freedom, we are to live lives free of the burden of works and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to reflect the love of Christ, loving one another and doing good to one another. I want to read um, Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. If you read through this letter, by the way, as, as a letter, as you would a letter, right? Um, it won't take you but maybe 10, 15 minutes just to read through it. I would encourage you to, to just read through it. Chapter 3, verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, Do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Which reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Perhaps you have felt the burden, or are even feeling right now the burden of not being good enough in God's eyes. You may not be expressing that in words, but perhaps you are in your spirit. I know there have been times in the past I can say before I truly understood God's grace that I too at many times felt this very way. Definitely before coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, uh, 
I had done so many things that I thought there's no way I have favor in God's eyes. There's no, there's no way. That's a burden that we ought not carry, but should cast upon the Lord and receive His forgiveness. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing exchange. We give Him our sins, and in return, He gives us grace. We confess our sins, is what I mean by that. We confess our sins. You're right, Lord, I have offended you. Please forgive me. And in that, there's this amazing exchange that takes place. You confess that to him and agree with him, and he gives you grace, forgiveness of your sins. It's amazing as the Spirit comes upon you and comes to dwell within you. Makes his home in you. How it is that as you do become a child of God, how you do have new desires. You have an understanding of what, what is before you in the Word of God. You understand, you begin to understand God's grace. These burdens are lifted. I, I, can't, I cannot explain it. I really can't. But I know it's real. I know it's true. And I know that salvation is for all who are just willing to receive. It's a free gift. It's indescribable. And the Apostle Paul was so upset that these people had been fooled to thinking that they could be justified by works. Being led astray into thinking that they had to do something, follow the law, the observances of these seasons and dates and festivals, all of this stuff in order to gain favor in the eyes of the Lord. Paul wanted to make sure to correct what had crept into the churches in the region of Galatia. And I believe the Lord wants to correct what's crept into the churches among us, the church. Read the Word of God. Do not be lazy. Do not be ignorant of the Word of God. Desires that you would know, that you would walk according to what is before us. Don't be fooled by what false teachers teach. Our sacrifices and the things that we do is in the freedom of knowing God's grace of forgiveness and salvation in Jesus Christ alone. It's a response to God's grace. And as we come to know that grace more, we love God more and demonstrate it by the way we live our lives. You can't help it. You get to know God a little bit more. You understand He's forgiven you of the things that you have done and not done in this day because there is a sin of omission also, by the way, right? He's forgiven me one more time. Oh, God, you're so gracious toward me. It just, His kindness continually draws us unto Him. We love God more and it should be revealed by the way we live our lives. We should every day continually grow and understand and learn how to walk in the Spirit. That as He says and He teaches, the Word of God says that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not walk according to the flesh. So we need to make it a point to do that very thing, to learn what that means, as the Spirit will always, always point us to Jesus Christ. 
the evidence of this is listed out. It's like, well, how do I know that I'm walking in the Spirit? Well, look with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This is how we know. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Can we skip over that one? No? Okay. All right. Self-control. He says, against such, there is no law. Because with that, you're not breaking the law. You're not. That, if you want to know if you're walking in the Spirit, that's what's coming to the surface. Those characteristics are a reflection of the very character of God. As you draw unto the Lord, his character character will reflect better toward others through you. It's not you. It's simply a reflection of God through you. That's all it is. We're just reflectors, (laughs) mirrors. That's what we should be. We're, We're the ones who bless the Lord in doing that very thing. And I will end this morning's message just as Paul ended his letter. He said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 18, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. That's what I pray. That you would come to know and understand God's grace that you would cease from your works and your lives would simply be a response to the grace and love that has already been demonstrated to each and every one of you. May you be perfected in him, not in our works. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ, for the sacrifice that he willingly went through on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that certainly we are justified by faith, not by our works. Salvation is a a free gift. Grace. Unmerited favor. Not only have we been forgiven of our sins, but we are joint heirs of your treasures, of your riches in Christ. Amazing, Lord. Amazing that in that surrender of ours, we can know peace because we know that we are yours and no one can snatch us out of your hands. Nothing and no one at any point whatsoever. We are yours for all eternity. And so therefore, I pray that we would Pick up this book that is before us, read it, learn it, study it, apply it. That we would be, that we would not be fooled into thinking and believing these uh, false teachers. 
but we would stand in the truth and bless and glorify you. And so just bless this church, Father. Fill us with your spirit. Give us strength for the day. And I pray this in Jesus' name.